Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Oh, hi, Nikki Kinzer. Welcome to recording of the podcast. It's yes. Great to have you here. Yes. Yes. Creating um, a joyful life. We're, we're creating a joyful life. This is a this is a, a follow up a little bit uh, to our mm-hmm. optimism show last week. Uh, the uh, ever dancing twins, optimism and joy. Um, and we are going to be talking about joy this week. What is it going to take to make Pete feel joy while his stomach hurts? <laughs> right. <laughs> I know this could not have landed on a worse day when right. Pete does not feel very good hmm. and does not feel like he has much joy in his life. So my, That's okay. my work is cut out for me. I'm I sure. feel the show buoys my spirits. So I'm excited <laughs> to uh, excited to be hanging out and talking about this stuff uh, and seeing what what you have come up with since the last mm. time we talked about joy, which was now years ago a couple years ago a couple years ago yeah three years ago i guess before we dig into joy head over to takecontroladhd.com and get to know us a little bit better you can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list and we will send you an email each time a new episode is released you can connect with us on facebook or instagram or pinterest at take control adhd but to really connect with us join us in the adhd discord community We love Discord and we love seeing you in Discord and it's super easy to jump into the general community chat channels. All you got to do is visit takecontroladhd.com slash discord and you will be whisked over to the general invitation and login. Now, of course, if you're looking for a little bit more and if this show has touched you or helped you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. And it unlocks all of the uh, various and sundry super secret and triple super secret Discord channels in the community. The whole world opens up uh, when you visit us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The ADHD Podcast to learn more. All right, Nikki, it's time to get joyful. Now, this some of this was inspired by your, uh, famously, by your wellness retreat. Oh, yes. In the desert. Yes. 
And, okay. and that is why I was so happy to come back from the wellness retreat and talk about optimism. And then when we were talking about what do we want to do, the sh- what kind of show do we want to do after that? I'm thinking this class that I took would be a perfect, like you said, twin. I like that to optimism. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, yes, there, it, the wellness retreat that I went, went on, there was different classes that you can take along with like different meditations and a lot of fitness classes, like around yoga. And, um, uh, they had this like drumming with, or like cardio with drums thing. I mean, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Cardio yeah. drums. Yeah. Where you get exotic. to drum. Like how fun is that? Right. I didn't get to do it, but <laughs> it, because the class was full, of course, but, uh, All right. So one of the classes that I took was called Creating Joy and Harmony with Richard Noel. And the workshop focused on, I suppose, what you would call sound therapy. And uh, he is an author, producer, and keynote speaker. And he's the CEO of jam2grow.com. So you can learn more about him at jam2grow.com. And that's the number two. And as soon as you walk into the room, this man had such a presence to him that just shouted joy. And uh, he was had this big, huge smile. And he uh, just was lovely. And he welcomed each of us by uh, looking at us in the eye shaking our hand and and saying, welcome, welcome to, you know, this session. And immediately I felt welcomed. I felt seen. I felt like, okay, this is going to be a good time. Like I could just tell because there, the room was dark, but there was like candles lit everywhere. And they had these like flashing kind of lights and it was going to this music that was kind of like an affirmation kind of music um, with mm-hmm. loud drums and things like that. And it was just really awesome. It was really fun. And he had a great sense of humor. And, uh, he actually, the very, before he even started, he gave each of us an essential oil on our wrist, a little tap of essential oil. That was joy. He's like, look, you're already joyful. You have it on your wrist (laughs) What was in the oil? Yeah. It's joy oil. (laughs) Right. So, uh, he knew how to start it right. And, uh, so, before we get into it, I mean, the, the, the mission of the workshop was to give us tools to overcome negative and self-sabotaging thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And he's a character. So a lot of the things that he would say rhymed, you know, so mm-hmm. he, he definitely made a show out of it. Um, but before I talk about the takeaways and some of the things I learned, I want us to go back a little bit to when we did a presentation on joy for the ADHD International Conference. And this was uh, in 2020. So Pete, what what is joy? What do you think is the definition of joy? Okay, so for me, a joy is that transcendent experience of happiness that comes, that, uh, that it is uh, sparked by an immediate surprising act of goodness or kindness or humor, something that happens uh, unexpectedly. Like it's, it is, for me, quintessential to joy is the surprise part of it. That that does as I I read a whole bunch of different definitions and that doesn't appear to be super consistent. No, uh, no. Uh, uh, but but that that to me is a is a big part of mm-hmm. it. So it's something you're not expecting necessarily. 
something I'm not expecting. Okay. And I, you know, I went and I looked at the at the, you know, the Oxford Companion to Emotion and Effective Sciences. And Oxford says joy is a pleasant state that shares conceptual space with other positive emotions such as elation and happiness. Whatever, Oxford. <laughs> Feelings of joy arise in circumstances appraised as safe, familiar and requiring little personal effort. Yeah, I get that, you know, on my couch. Joy is the pleasant state experienced when people have made progress toward important goals, especially when progress is better than expected. That is the first time we get anything related to surprise. Mm. And I can jam with that. The other piece I just wanted to add when we're talking about definitions of joy is the thing that that maybe surprises me positively that Matthew Kwan Johnson wrote in the Journal of Positive Psychology that joy involves a state of positive affect in which one experiences feelings of freedom, safety, and ease. Joy involves changes in visual perception. Colors seem brighter. Motor behavior, physical movements feel freer and easier. Smiling happens involuntarily. And there are characteristic changes in cognition. Thinking and attention are broadened and exercised in creative ways. Mm. Uh, I think that is a uh, a lovely attachment to a definition of joy that reminds me that joy is physiological as much as it's psychological. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, I, I agree with all those things. I do I do think that joy can come from being surprised or not expected, but I also um, believe that you can create it yourself. I don't think it has to be a surprise. I think it's moments in time that we're aware that we're feeling this this joy, that we're feeling this this type of feeling. So for me, it's like, you know, when you come home from a long day and your dog is so excited to see you, like that's just a mm -hmm. moment of joy, right? Like that, mm -hmm. that moment, or when you haven't seen somebody for a long time and you get to see them and you give them a big hug. Um, but it can also be, be you know, uh, moments like when I, when you're traveling and you notice something that's just really beautiful, maybe it's a landscape of mountains, the nature, something like that. It's like, it just gives you that moment of, wow, this is such a beautiful place. And it's that moment of joy. So I think a lot of it is being aware of what you're taking in and how you're processing it and not just ignoring it. And it's kind of like mindfulness, mm -hmm. right? If we're more mindful about what we're doing, then we see more, we feel more, we experience more because we're not just going mm -hmm. through the, the, process or the the motion of oh i'm going to take this hike and all i'm focused on is is getting to the top but you're not really looking at everything that's around you as you're getting to the top right um, right yeah so we did this in our presentation before too where we talked about the difference between happiness and joy because they're two different words but do they actually mean the same thing what do you think well, and to a lot of people, I imagine they are. Yeah. They're, you can just, they're fungible words, right? Just replace them. Um, and I, but I do think, you know, as part of the, the slate of emotions, um, so much of it ends up being really cultural, right? Like the Inuit people have a bazillion words for snow. I, I imagine there are cultures that have different, a number of different words to describe this sensation uh, that we encompass in this body of language, joy and happiness, right? It's this sort of Western convention uh, or, or this sort of English convention of what joy is. And, and I think that's 
I think that's an interesting area of exploration. Are they the same? To me, no. Uh, to me, happiness is the the overarching state of, uh, of of feeling of contentment, and joy represents the peaks, right? right? Uh, of of that that exist inside of that overarching sense of contentment. Yeah, I agree because not you're you're not asked very often. Are you joyful? <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you will be asked, are you happy? Are you happy at your job? Mm -hmm. Are you joyful at your job? Not not so much a question, right? Yeah, so I, I, I do think that they are different as well. Uh, and when we did this presentation before, we had this great analogy, and I wanted to share it again, that happiness is a state. Think of it as a 100-story building at each level corresponds to a happiness value. So that happiness will persist over time. So eventually, you know, you might get to 70 or the 80th floor. Joy is that sudden burst of excitement. Joy is like the elevator in that building that takes you up to higher levels of happiness only for a small amount of time and back. So you can maybe shoot to 100 with joy, uh, but because it's kind of a fleeting moment, it can also, you know, kind of take you back a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good way of kind of thinking about it. Uh, so he attached a word into his presentation that we haven't talked about, and that's harmony. So I'm curious what you think about what, what harmony is. Well, I'm a musician. And so harmony is, you know, simultaneously presented musical notes that provide a pleasing sensation when presented in chords and uh, chord progression. Right. So I'm I'm big on that. But I know that, you know, harmony also represents vibrations. And uh, that is what music is, vibrations. And so uh, understanding vibrations mean you can understand alignment when things are in alignment, when chords are played in alignment, where their their vibrations are in alignment, they're pleasing. And, um, and, and I think, you know, Maybe in the context of joy, we're looking at harmony as a way to describe our alignment with the space around us and and our actions that are ahead of us. I don't know. Am I getting close? Yeah, you're absolutely close. Because when he asked that question, I think everybody said something about music, right? Because that's mm -hmm. what it is. And he, his so much of his work is around music. So it kind of makes sense that he put this in here for yeah, the right. exact reason why you're what you're saying. Um and it's a positive description, right? Because when you think of if if you're in harmony, you just feel like okay, you're you've got this flow, you've got you're making this beautiful music. And what he is saying is that harmony allows components in our life to receive the necessary focus and attention necessary for the moment. So, is your life in harmony? Is it in sync to where you want it to be? So that's how he he is merging the two. Uh, so. I have some key takeaways that I that he teaches and some of the things that I want to uh, talk to you about, Pete, and also get perspective, too. I think it's not just telling you, oh, this is what I learned, but also have us kind of talk a little bit about it. Uh, first thing is, if you seek happiness and joy in everyday life, you must create it. What do you think? I don't know that I completely understand it because... Again, as I said at the beginning, sometimes the joy that I find in life is exists without me, right? right. Exists sure. without me first because it's a surprise. I think the the operative 
term is to seek happiness and joy in everyday life, mm-hmm. right? I'm, and to be open to being joyful, right? Mm-hmm. Be open to the constant state of happiness. Um, and that goes into what we were talking about last week. Like it, it is a practice to be optimistic. It is a practice to keep your, to, to, to seek the good and not the ill, um, you know, effects, right? The glass is always full of something. Right. Do you think you can choose happiness or choose joy? I, is it a choice? Th- this is, yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, it's an alignment. It's an alignment. I I have begun to resonate kind of against the that term, right? That phrase, choose happiness, the same way I resonate against ADHD as a superpower, right? Like ADHD is not a superpower, but it can manifest that way if you happen to be in alignment, in harmony with your hyperfocus on a project that needs to be done and you get it done, right? Mm-hmm. Like then it can look like a superpower, right? Can I choose happiness? If I have made a constant practice of of every day doing the work to find the good, then maybe I've chosen happiness when I'm confronted with ill. Maybe it's easier for me to laugh through the difficult parts of grief. But does that mean if I am dealing with significant emotional dysregulation and someone says, you got to choose to be happy, that I don't want to punch them in the stomach? Like, yeah. right, those things don't align for me. And so I, I want to be really careful about saying choose happiness because I think that is, I think that's doing false service to the work it takes to be positively aligned in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that that is a a very good point, especially if you're in the middle of some kind of storm, right? It's hard. It's hard to go there and say, well, it's not that simple. And we know that it's not that simple. And if somebody Um, tells you to choose happiness, you're not going to choose happiness, right? right? right. Like that's not a good, good advice. I think it's timing. I think it's timing. I I do believe that there's a choice there, but I think it, it also depends on, um, where you are in this current situation. It may not be immediate, um, but at some point you do get to have some, you you do get to choose how you want to deal with this and how you want to move forward. That's why I mean by alignment though, right? Because that, if you're going to use the word choice, the choice starts when you're not in the storm, right? When you're saying, okay, I've decided I'm going to be a person who who, who finds the glass full all the time, right? I'm going to be that person. And then I will be, if I do the things that are a part of a practice, then when I'm confronted with a storm, I might have an easier way out of it. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I think that's the nuance. Well, and I think it's letting go too. So I don't want to say it's just a choice, but it's also letting go. I, I feel like, let's say that you are really bothered by a, um, like a, a, a work evaluation, right? Like you just had a mm-hmm. conversation with your boss. It really bothers you. You're not going to choose happiness from that, jo- that, from that conversation. But at some point, if you stay stuck in this conversation, it's going to keep ruminating. And we're going to talk about rumination in just a, a few moments, um, but it's going to stay there. And so if we don't want to stay there, then how do we let go and then right. choose to let that go. And then do I move, how do I move on? And 
Well, I think we answered it last week. Right. We absolutely answered it last week because you've developed a practice now of understanding, of being able to approach anything that is that that is challenging to you in this in the frame of that model, mm-hmm. right? Of the model that we talked about last week. Is this personal or global? Is this like I go back and listen to that episode if you're if you're wondering what I'm talking about, because it's really important. Right. That's the practice. And that answers the question: how do you allow yourself to move on when confronted by change? Right. You've already made the choice to understand how negative events can impact you. And now you get to use that to move on. So next one was focus on your thoughts, which we talk a lot about. What is your internal conversation? What are you saying to yourself? I think that's pretty totally agree. Relevant, right? Um, And I think research is showing that the more and more you can focus on your language and visualizing, mm -hmm. like these visualization tools deeply impact your lived experience. Absolutely. Like, don't take that for granted kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Life is not what you make it, but how you take it. How are you responsible? These are his rhymes, right? This is how he likes to rhyme. But uh, how are you responding when things come before you that steal your happiness and joy? And I'm going to go a little further with this. So what he started to say is that, you know, we don't have control on what happens to us, but we do have control on how we respond and how one phone call can change the rest of your life that can evoke emotions of sadness, anger, disappointment, grief, right? And these things happen. um, But what he's saying is he he doesn't want you to stay. He doesn't want that to be your resting place. Allow yourself to feel those emotions, feel that grief, be in that storm, and then let them move through you so you can go back to finding joy. And we specifically talked about grief. Um, my friend who was with me has lost, uh, two very close family members in the last, um, well, one in just this last year, the other about five years ago. And this was a really, um, uh, important message for her to listen to because she had so much that she was holding on to around guilt and grief. And, um, so it was really interesting to just hear how, and it's all stuff we know, but maybe it's just good to hear it again, that you allow yourself to feel those things, but don't stay in it because it can, it can kill you if you stay there. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Dr. Dodge has, has told us in the past and is, is a big proponent of this. Like, you know, you, you can't, you can't sit in it. You have to move through it. And sometimes you have to feel it very, very intensely. And once you feel it intensely, you have no choice but to move through it, right? Like that's the that's the interesting sort of paradox of of navigating grief and trauma is exploring it, experiencing it, moves you through it, does not allow you to be there. It's the it's the act of protecting yourself from it that prevents you from moving on. And that's that's the paradox. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, so then the other piece that he was talking about was mood. And this is really, this was really fascinating to me because we talk about happiness. We talk about joy. We talk about all of these like choices, everything we just talked about. Right. But we don't really talk about our mood that much. Yeah. <laughs> like we, it, when he brought it up, I was just like, wait, what, what's that? You know, what do you mean? 
And I thought that was a really important piece is that your mood comes from your thoughts and emotions. So where your feelings go, this is his rhyming, your emotions follow, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which leads you to your resting place, which is called your mood. And, uh, you know, really checking in with what is your mood. If you're not in the right mood that you want to be, asking yourself, what do you need right now? What are you feeling? What is the emotion that is bringing about this mood? And you know what? Sometimes it could be you're hungry, right? We would go back to Sharon, uh, Dr. Celine. It's, you know, we're hungry. I'm in a bad mood. I'm cranky. I'm tired. I need a nap or I need better sleep because this, I feel awful, you know, but, but recognizing what is happening and what's causing this mood. And is there something you can do to, again, move through it to get to the feeling and the emotion that you want to have, that you want to, uh, show up for, you know, in the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a, there's a wonderful sort of father daughter duo um, Fernando and Gloria Flores, and they have done some extraordinary thinking on moods. And Gloria actually wrote the book, Learning to Learn and the Navigation of Moods, the meta skill for the acquisition of skills. And her perspective is, if you want to incorporate anything new into your life, you have to understand how your moods impact that experience. And, um, and that's I, I've taken I think I've incorporated a little bit of it. The big one is to think about when I'm in the mood of provocation, right? That's a mood stance. And you can say I'm provoked right now. That means I'm curious. Mm. That means I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to ask questions. But if I if my moods are if I haven't achieved that sort of mood state, then I'm not ready to learn. I'm not ready to change. It's and, like the changes. It it's the levels yes. of changes is the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, that's so interesting. Absolutely. What's that yeah. called again? It's What's a, the book called? I'll put it in the show yeah. notes. Learning to Learn in the Navigation of Moods. Mm. It's, it is uh, Gloria and Fernando Flores. They're, they're awesome and brilliant thinkers on this subject. A lot of their work is in business and higher education. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I came across it through higher ed. And um, so, you know, they don't do a whole lot in the space of like neurodiversity and, and ADHD is not mentioned. But it is interesting if you're curious about this subject matter. It's, it's worth exploring. Yeah. Ah, that's great. So, yeah. Okay. So then I, I found this fun fact, but it's not really a fun fact. <laughs> and, okay. And this is, uh, this is from his book. So the manifesto process begins once a single thought has been held for 17 seconds. So it has been proven that if a negative thought remains longer than 17 seconds, it takes residence within the mind. If you allow a negative thought to remain for longer than 17 seconds, the rumination process begins. And this is the tendency to repetitively think about the causes, situation, and consequences of a negative emotional experience. So anyone with probably ADHD and especially anxiety understand this situation. Yeah, I don't love here in 17 seconds. That's not long enough. Don't love that at all. (laughs) That's not enough time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't care for it. I don't either. I don't care for Uh, it. Right. So he has some ideas, but I also threw in some of mine too, um, that I wanted to share. So some ideas to stop the rumination. We talked about those transition treats 
right? Those dopamine hits. And uh, this is a perfect time (laughs) to look for one. It's really hard to do when you're in bed and it's the middle of the night and it's 3 a.m. and you can't stop thinking about something. Um, But let's say that you're not in, it's not in the middle of the night and you just had, you know, you had a terrible work meeting and you can be in a situation where you can find a dopamine treat, right? So that can help. That can help. Yes, for sure. There is a book by Mel Robbins, who also has ADHD, um, mm-hmm. that's called 54321. It's called the five second five rule. Second the rule. fastest oh, you're way right. to change your life. Yes. Thank you. Five second rule. You're welcome. Five. You see, I, I'm already doing the process. Yes, you're already doing the process. <laughs> right. Uh, I have the book. I've read parts of it. I've had a couple of clients who've highly recommended it. Look it up on Google. I'm not going to really explain too much about it just because I don't quite understand enough about it. But it there is this thing about when you count down and you know that at one, you're going to do whatever it is that you want to do. And maybe that is to stop thinking about this. It stops that train of thought. So uh, check it out. It's another resource that mm-hmm. might be of uh, value to you. And then when I was thinking about rumination, I had to think of our, you know, one of our uh, most common guests, James uh, Ochoa, and all of the James Ochoa Hall of Fame uh, ADHD podcast yes, guest James that James Ochoa that James Ochoa <laughs> he his book Focused Forward is wonderful it has a lot of different um, strategies and breathing exercises and so if you go back to any of our uh, conversations with James he is a big advocator for stopping and breathing. And how that stops the train of thought and really recenters our nervous system. This is something that you can do in the middle of the night. And it's also something you can do in the middle of a work meeting and no one's going to know what you're doing. Um, but it's calming you, you know, you down. Yeah, are you, are sure. you a journal writer? Do you write in a mm-hmm. journal pretty consistently? Yeah. What are, you, what are the benefits for you when you do that? Um, internalizing new learning, um, helping my challenged memory, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to, uh, attribute more to, of, of my memory to search, which allows me to kind of stay on top of it and feeling balanced at the end of the day, because I, you know, my biggest challenge is to go through a day where I feel like I'm productive, but not having a memory of what I've actually accomplished. And when I, you know, ascribe those things to, to, a daily kind of journal entry, then I, um, I'm able to look back and say, Oh, you know what? I know my brain is now telling me lies that I was accomplished. I did finish some things. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I am not a consistent journal writer. Um, but when I do, I think that one of the things that it does for me is that because you're not thinking about what you're writing and you're just free flowing, whatever comes out, it's amazing to me what comes out. Right. Like I didn't expect I was going to say this, but now that I've written it or think this, and now that I've written it, it just, it it allows you to go in a little bit deeper of what's going on and questioning yourself a little bit more, not in a negative way, in a non-judgmental way, but it's giving you insight that maybe you didn't have before you doing this practice. So uh, journaling, writing it down can definitely be um, a way to, uh, for rumination, especially, because I can imagine, like, if you're writing down, like, this is what's bothering me, this is, you know, da, 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 
just the the act of writing it down and getting it out of your head might be enough to be able to close the journal and then you know go back to sleep the the biggest thing that i the the biggest change to my journaling life was when i realized i didn't have to write in like complete sentences you could do like bullet points or pictures or whatever yeah i could just write stream of consciousness words because i it does i'm not like i had to forget like who am i writing this for mm-hmm. who am i writing this for this is i'm not writing this to be found someday in my end of the world bunker for someone to publish later, right? That were my, my thoughts, my, uh, you know, kind of my last, my last sort of story of my life. My life isn't that important. So what am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for to retune, rewire my brain. Mm-hmm. And that was, that's a big deal. But your life is very important. I just want to well, know that because that can't go. Yeah, that's well, it's something it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's very <laughs> okay. important. Uh, okay. Meditation. So I was, um, I practiced meditation for a long, long time in my life. And then it stopped. It just stopped for about three years. And it was all around COVID. And, you know, it's it's been about three years. Going back to the wellness uh, retreat brought me back to meditation. And I'm so glad it did because it is such a powerful tool for inner peace and just acceptance for what is right now. And meditation is not just about focusing on your, I mean, it is a lot about focusing on your breath. I mean, but I think some ADHD people fear that, oh, I can't do that, right? Because I can't focus on my breath. Why why would I want to do that? That's crazy. And there's so much more to it than just the focused on your breath. And um, if you haven't tried it, I definitely recommend doing some guided type of meditations. I think that's a lot easier than just trying to sit down and think you're going to meditate, learn about it, learn about what, you know, what it is, what, how it benefits you. Talk to other people who meditate. They'll tell you, you know, what difference it makes in their lives. Um, but check it out. I think it's a good thing to check out. Um, And then the last thing I would say with the rumination is verbally processing with someone you trust. This is why talk therapy works, right? You've got somebody that you trust that's not necessarily in your life um, that you can talk to these, talk about uh, these situations and experiences, but it doesn't have to always just be therapy too. It could be anybody. Um, But that verbal processing, you know, it's why we need to vent right? Let's, it's that thing. It's like, we need to vent. I don't need you to solve my problem, but I just need you to listen to me. Just hear it, you know? And that makes a huge difference. Can I, before we wrap up, can I just share one more resource that I really liked that, um, that was new to me and it just, uh, it just dropped October 16th of this year. And I, I listened to the Huberman lab podcast, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's generally really great. So long. They are very long episodes, mm. uh, but they're really great. And just as we're as we put this episode of uh, talking about optimism and joy on our calendar, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett, uh, who is a wonderful neuroscientist and also the author of How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain, and Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain, which has been described as the first beach read for neuroscience nerds. Um, 
it, she was on Huberman Labs. And she he asked the question specifically, is it a myth that if you smile a lot, you'll feel happiness, right? You'll feel joy. And I've always wondered, like we we hear that a lot, right? We that is kind of the one of the the tropes. And she she said to, to him, I don't like your question. I think and she said specifically, I feel like your question is poorly stated, if I may, and went on a 10 minute discourse uh, uh, about something that I learned something from and I wanted to share it. Emotions and the face, right? If you smile hard to feel, uh, you know, if you smile, it's harder to feel sad or anxious. She, she said, look, movement is movement right? Your face has lots of muscles. And when you move your face, it sometimes is communicating legitimate emotion, but sometimes it's not. And if you are looking at someone who is smiling, you're not just taking in their face, you're taking in a bazillion other signals that they're communicating. And you're taking in all the signals of the air and the, and the, you know, smells and sights and light. And all of that is, is defining your interpretation of how they're feeling right now. Right. And in fact, she talks about this study where they take people and they take their face, their heads away and just present eyes and a mouth and show them to people in and the eyes and the mouth might be in a shock face. And the they respondents have no idea what emotion that is. No idea how to interpret that emotion. Hmm. Right. Interesting. So, uh, right. There's no question. But then she said this. And this is where she dunks on Huberman. She says, look, the brain is a magnificent predictive mechanism. Right. The smile joy connection is not special in so far as the brain is being wired by all kinds of motor signals that you're giving it, right? Pop culture has assigned and ascribed this smile equals happiness thing, but that's not really what the brain is doing. The brain is just predicting because you have smiled all your life at things that make you happy. When you smile, you're likely experiencing or about to experience something happy, right? So it's like it's like predictive text on your phone. It knows what word is coming next because you've typed all these words before or because the world has typed words before. That's how your brain works. And so her guidance was, look, beware Western stereotypes presented as scientific fact because it's not fact that smile equals joy. The fact is your brain is being wired for previous signals. That's the trick. And that's the thing I learned. Because if what she's saying is accurate as neuroscientist, then what comes next can also be negatively interpreted, right? This goes back to exactly what you just said about the 17 second rumination fact. Then if you repeatedly do something negative or you constantly sort of wire your brain in rumination and you frown a lot, then maybe the brain learns to expect frowns as your constant state and it starts to predict what comes next there. I don't know. That part is me ascribing, you know, what I'm getting from her. But I thought that was really interesting. So to finish her point, movement is movement. Expression is interpretation expression does not exist without someone else interpreting what your expression means. Because I can sit here and fake smile sure. all day long. That's what I, yeah, that's what You're I was the thinking. one who, uh, who, who interprets me as being happy. Right. So, so I, that is, I thought, a, a really interesting thing. Not all movements are expressions. So beware of over-interpreting somebody smiling or, th- because that's, 
that's an interpretation movement doesn't there's no movement like system the way she talks about it but you know the brain can be wired to predict what comes next depending on what you've done before if you make a practice of joy and happiness maybe you're rewiring your brain in some small way to expect joy and happiness to come next yeah that's interesting right it is interesting it also kind of thinks it makes me think of like um the connection with being authentic yeah right like it, it, the person i'm talking to do i sense the that they're being authentic and real with me or do i feel like they're putting on a show and it actually they don't care or it really is fake right it kind of just it, it's an interesting concept to kind of think about well, especially when, I mean, we just had that. I'm not going to talk about specifics because it's a surprise, but we just had that where you texted me and you said, I'm getting a vibe that you're not into this. And I said, no, no, no. You're interpreting something that that's not accurate. Right. I've given a signal, but that signal is not what you were predictive, where you were predicting. Right. Because it didn't fit into your mental model. And that, I think we as human beings do that all the time. Yeah, I think so too. And I think that directly impacts our moods and our and emotions. And I think... I think it's really likely to happen when you have ADHD and RSD. Yes. Right? Because yeah. it's so easy to or to interpret something that maybe isn't what you how you isn't real. So it really does yes. give you point to kind of question this and and think about it before assuming that we know what the other person is thinking. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. so good. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. So this is what I'm going to end on. And I'm going to be on my soapbox for a moment because I am an optimistic and joyful person. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I like being that way. I really do. Uh, but this is what I came away from um, with his with his presentation is that, you know, life, life is a roller coaster, right? We're going to have good things. We're going to have bad things. We're going to have scary things, all of these things. Uh, but the one thing he said is it is still a gift. We don't know how long we have that one phone call can change us, but we, you know, every present moment matters. And the thing that he emphasized is the past no longer counts and the future hasn't been written yet. So today, right now in this moment is what matters. And what, what do you want? What do you want to focus on? Uh, what mood do you want to be in? Uh, and, uh, nourish your mind daily, fill it, fill it with positive thoughts, fill it with music, fill it with whatever brings you joy, because I, I do believe what you focus on grows. So if you do, if you create this or ask or, or pay attention to these things, then you're going to see more of it in your day. Uh, but the other thing he said that I think is really important is don't put things off for later. If you want to do something, do it now whatever that looks like for you. And he, he used the example of if you need a new job, if you want a new job, start looking for a new job. If you're interested in somebody at work, ask him or her out. Uh, if you want to, whatever, learn a new language, get that app that Pete Wright loves. Duolingo for the win. Yeah. yeah, but you know, the moment, you know, do it now. And I just think that that's a refreshing uh, reminder that our to-do lists, our productivity, all these things that can get us into this ADHD shame spiral. It really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter. You know, mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter. And so just really being careful what we bring in to really ruminate about and, and yeah. catch ourselves in those times that, you know what, maybe this isn't 
as important as I as I think it is. Drop the mic on that one, Nikki Kinzer. Yep. I think that's uh, let it go. Let, it, let go, it go. Let it go. Yeah. Well, good. This is a good pair of episodes. I really enjoyed talking about this stuff with you. Thank you so Thank much you. for bringing all that research. We've got all the links and notes in the show notes. Uh, So go check them out. And uh, thank you most of all to all of you. We appreciate you downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention. And don't forget, if you have something to contribute to the conversation, we want to hear it. Head over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server, and you can join us right there by becoming a supporting member of the show at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we will see you right back here next week, joyously, (laughs) on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.